This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This podcast on 97.3 The Fan is brought to you by Hamul Casino, San Diego's closest casino. Real close, real friendly, real fun. Kicking off the 4 o'clock hour. It's our final half hour together on this Thursday. We're headed towards Thursday night football coverage in New Orleans Saints and the Arizona Cardinals, of course. Everything is pointed though to tomorrow's Game 3. The National League Championship Series, it'll be the Padres taking on the Philadelphia Phillies. Joe Musgrove will start for the Friars. We're going to hear from Joe here in just a moment or two. And then Tony will rejoin us for our NFL Pick'em segment, Week 7 of the National Football League. Don't forget, tomorrow we're broadcasting live from Ballast Point, Little Italy location. It's at 2215 India Street. It all starts at 6 a.m., Ben and Woods, then the coach, John Cantera, 10 to 2. And then our program from 2 o'clock until tomorrow's pregame show at 3.35. So uh, we'll look to see everybody out at Ballast Point tomorrow. But right now, Joe Musgrove, his day off interview with the media in Philadelphia. And here's what uh, No-No had to say. Are you going to be okay pitching in a game that doesn't have do-or-die ramifications or clinch ramifications attached to it? And then in all seriousness, uh, what have you learned about yourself in these two very successful starts that you've had? Um, Yeah, I mean, well, I guess to answer the first part, um, I feel like this game is every bit as big as those elimination games. You know, it's you look at it like a count of an at-bat, that 1-1 pitch, just like a 1-1 series is a really big game to get some momentum, especially on the road here. Um, And I think that we know if we win one of these games, especially this first one, that guarantees us an opportunity to go back home. Um, so there's a lot of things that add, in, add up and you know make the scenario what it is, but I think the approach stays the same. Um, things I've learned about you know myself over this course is the process of getting ready for the game is always the most stressful part. Um, the anticipation, the nerves, all that stuff settles in, but for me, it all seems to go away once you know that first pitch is thrown and we're underway. So you know, being able to realize that and keep you know that in perspective, that you know you just got to make it to that first pitch and you know stay calm. Um, that's the most difficult part. But once I'm out there, man, I feel like I'm at home. You, Darvish, and Blake Snell have different approaches to getting guys out than you do. But how much can you glean from watching them in terms of attacking this this Phillies lineup? Um, I think I get a little bit more out of the, watching the video with Darvish. Even you know he's got three different shapes of breaking balls. Um, Mine are pretty similar. I got curveball slider and a cutter. He's got three different speeds of cutters, two different speeds of sliders, two curveballs. So it's tough to you know to compare. You know the slider worked for him. It's going to work for me because they are very different pitches. Um, but you see a lot in the tendencies. Um, you know as far as aggressiveness and the count and you know where they're being aggressive, what you can attack them with. You know late with two strikes. 
Um, and I guess without giving away too much of my game plan, um, I feel like I have a good idea of what I want to do after watching those two games and kind of comparing those notes with the notes that I make personally on my own. Jesse, back left. Joe, can you, as, as someone in the game, can you relate to the, the kind of season that Josh Hader has had, or is it even too volatile to understand for someone that, that plays the game as well? Yeah, I mean, everyone goes through struggles at some point in the year, and um, he had been somewhat untouchable for the last, you know, three, four years, um, maybe more. Um, extremely impressive to, to have that kind of consistency. It's not as easy as he makes it look. Um, but it catches up with everybody at one point or another, and um, to go from being, you know, the best closing arm in baseball to not being able to get out of a single inning um, was tough to watch for him. And for us, I mean, I don't, you know, no one on our side felt like, oh, we just traded for the best closer and he ain't the best closer anymore. You know, we all knew that he was going to come around. It was just a matter of, you know, weather in that storm. And, um, you know, he didn't waver once in his own, in his self-belief and his confidence. Um, and, you know, it's, it's pretty impressive to see him struggle as hard as he did and then get right back to, you know, that number one status form that he's been for the last four years. Um, and without batting an eye, I mean, he just he just continued to go about his business. He never saw the big blow-ups. It was always just kind of trusting in his work and knowing that it was going to come around. Um, I think diving into some of the analytics stuff and the numbers with some of the guys on our team, um, our analytics team was, was helpful for him. Um, but ultimately, I think it's just, you know, confidence. You can't give up on yourself. You can't, you know, give in to that, you know, that crappy feeling of getting rocked over and over and struggling to get out of innings. Um, you know, things are going to turn your way at some point or another, and he was very consistent in his routine and uh, his approach. Tony on the right. Joe, you uh, seem to thrive in, in New York in that winter go home. Is there something about these type of environments? Obviously, Philly's going to be, yeah. I'm sure, right up there as well. Is there something about these type of environments that really locks you in? Yeah, I mean, I've been... I've been beaten down by the crowds at times early on in my postseason career. Um, you know, the crowds really got to me. And I think ultimately it's just I got a way better understanding of myself and, and how things work and, you know, the certain triggers that I have and, and what it is that really gets to me and being able to, you know, have some awareness of what those things are before I go into a moment like this uh, is very helpful. But I don't know. I, I almost like pitching on the road a little more than I do pitching at home. Um, something about kind of having your back up against a wall and having everyone, you know, weighing down on you. Something about that allows me to tap into a different level. So, um, yeah, as, as fun as it is pitching at Petco, I enjoy the rodents on the road just as much. AJ, front left. Joe, what do you take from that? What do, what do you take from that start against Philadelphia in June? It was a little bit of an outlier for you at the time. Yeah, I, th I thought I threw the ball pretty well. Um, I think we got into the what was it sixth or seventh maybe and. Um, a couple homers really put the game out of reach, but up until that point, I thought I controlled the zone pretty well. Um, good approach to the guys. Just as the outing went on, I was tiring and, and left a few pitches over the heart of the plate. And um, you know that that happens from time to time. I don't really remember exactly how I was feeling physically at that point in the year, but um, I think it's really just going to be bearing down. You know, down the stretch of that outing, those last you know inning or two of really executing pitches and, and not leaving those those hanging ones over the plate. Couple on the right, we have Bryce, and then to Kevin. Hey Joe, you kind of hinted at this with Hater, but um, what kind of mental makeup does it take that he displayed, reacting to the beginning of his time in San Diego after the deadline when he kind of fell off a cliff, mm -hmm. to really becoming the guy he'd been almost his whole career the last month and through the playoffs? Mentally, how difficult is it to make a switch like that when things are so opposite? Oh man, I mean, I can't even explain. You know, and I really don't even know what he was going through at the time when he's going through it. 
I know he's hearing it from every angle, from coaches, from you know family, from staff. Um, you know, hang in there, hang in there. It's going to come around. You're fine. You know, we trust in you. He did the last thing he needs is another guy coming up and telling him the same thing. So we were all in his corner and supporting him. But at the same time, as he's turned this thing around and gone down this, you know, this heater again, I'm not going to be the guy to go up and be like, "Yeah, man, you got to figure it out now," and you know, and you know, kind of curse him. So. Uh, we're just kind of letting him do his thing, you know. We're, we're building them up, um, we're motivating him and pushing him in the right direction, and he's putting in the work to to get the results. So that's something I think down <laughs> down the line, I guess, after this is all over, we'll sit and talk about it, or maybe when we're celebrating next, we'll talk about that. But um, yeah, it's just impressive to see the way he went through, and also you add on top of that coming to a new city and being with a new team who's you know in dire need of a, a lockdown arm at the back of the bullpen and for him to not be able to produce immediately I know that was you know breaking them down inside um, so there's a lot of things that even as players you don't really fully recognize until you know some time goes by and you start to really analyze what happened and what was going through his mind but um, it just goes to show I mean if you're going to be a, a closer in this game you got to have a different you know a different mindset than everybody else you got to be able to you know to block things out you got to be able to move past some failure and um, he's done that better than just about anybody I've been around for somebody who's played behind you every start that you get to see up close and personal on one hand awards aren't that meaningful to some guys but Manny Machado's not one of the three finalists for gold glove in the National League at third base what's your reaction to that yeah I mean it's hard I mean the guys he's going up against, there's a lot of really good third basemen, especially nationally, you know, watching Arenado and playing against him down the stretch. Um, he's about as consistent as it gets at third. Um, you know, Manny's every bit deserving of that. You know, I don't know how many errors he made this year um, compared to Arenado or whoever it is that's going to, you know, get that. Uh, who are the final three anyway? No? To Brian Hayes? Yeah, another really good third baseman. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Overall, I guess... You know, the gold glove, he's been so consistent at third base. There's, you know, blunders here and there, just like there is with everybody. But um, I think the overall impact of him as a player, not just a defensive guy, is, is what he brings to the table for us. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a guy that you expect to be in the top three every year at third base. Kevin? It was an eventful season, unhittable, struggle, contract. Like, what did you take out of the middle part of the season and kind of how you reworked things and – I guess specifically as to how it helped you to finish so strong and be pitching well now? Yeah, I mean, I, I, kind of going back to what I said earlier, you know at some point, you know, you're not going to be unhittable all season. And if you do, those are the Cy Young type seasons that, you know, one guy has out of all the pitchers in baseball. One guy does that every year. And, um, you know, that's always there as, you, as you're growing along. I think I was through 12 or 13 straight, you know, quality starts. And it's always in the back of your mind, like, yeah, I can keep this going. I feel right. I'm starting to understand myself more and more. Um, but I think down the stretch of the season, you know, the last four or five outings I had, I think I give up maybe one run over the course of those. Um, and I look back at, you know, those middle months where I really struggle. And if I don't go through those struggles and I don't make the adjustments or, you know, try something different, you know, the way I attack hitters, working something a little bit different, using other pitches more often, I don't think I'm as well-rounded of a pitcher now if I don't go through those moments. So as much as you'd like to dominate all year long, sometimes those – those moments of failure and struggle, you know, help shape you for the biggest moments of the year. The far left. Uh, hi, so uh, Manny is not on the finalist, but you guys have four finalists for Gold Glove. Your shortstop, second base, center field, right field. Uh, could you describe their defense? How how it is reliable? <clears throat> yeah. Again, another really consistent part of our team, and that was one thing that you know we prided ourselves early in the year is that we're not going to make errors. You know, the balls hit to us, we're going to field the ball, throw the ball, catch the ball. 
Um, just ultimately not giving away free outs when the outs are there, you got to take them. And especially early in the year and through that middle part, we were really struggling to get our bats consistently going. Um, there was an extra emphasis on, you know, really holding it down on the defensive side of the ball and, you know, keeping the runs at a minimum so that, you know, the one or two swings that we get throughout the course of the game can win us a game. And early on in the year, I think we had a really good record in one run ball games and um, extra inning games. So the defense was a huge part and it's really been good all year. I mean, I go back to that, um, that wild card game in New York that I threw, you know, three really good plays by Will at first. Um, Grish makes an unbelievable play in the outfield. Um, and even the stuff that's not directly related to outs, like tracking down balls in the gap and getting to it and getting it in immediately and preventing a guy from you know advancing another 90 feet or hitting the right cutoff guy and not trying to overthrow and get the guy out at third that's tagging up. Um, instead, keeping the guy at first base and keeping the double play in order and then us getting the pitch executed and getting the double play on the next one. Those are all big things that sometimes go unnoticed because you're not recording outs with the, every throw and every play. But um, that's one thing that I, you know, that I really like as a pitcher is when my outfield hustles to the ball that's hit down the line or in the gap and gets it in as quick as they can. Because if you keep guys on base, I can keep them from scoring. But you know, if they're advancing, it makes it a lot more difficult. So um, yeah, our defense has been really good this year. No, no, Joe. Going to pitch game three tomorrow night. Ranger Suarez will pitch for the Philadelphia Phillies. Scraby, do you want to repeat what you pointed out last night in reference oh, to Ranger Suarez? Oh, yes, I would Suarez love to. So, the rest of the listening audience yeah, out there. Yeah, thank you for bringing it back up. I never got a chance to ask Tony today, but uh, <laughs> since uh, No-No Joe completed his no-hitter against the Rangers, he's going to beat the Phillies because he's starting against a guy named Ranger. Yeah. There that there's so many connections there you can't you can't even I can't even list them all. It's uncanny. It really is. It's flat out uncanny. It, it's the it's the earth synchronicities coming and, together and, for the Padres. And beyond it being uncanny, it's amazing how your brain works. Fragile little mind. <laughs> it's works. a fragile. It's crazy, I say. Let's check traffic. We're going to come back. Tony will come back for one final segment, and we will do our NFL Pick'em for Week 7. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Five Weather brought to you by Pfizer and BioNTech. This fall, there are now updated COVID-19 booster shots designed for recent Omicron variants. Learn more and schedule your updated booster at vaccines.gov. Four nineteen, the time. We're back. Priscilla, Matt Scraby, Odyssey Palace. Look who else is back. It's Tony Gwynn Jr. Time for our NFL Pick'em segment. Okay, NFL fans, it's time for NFL Pick'em. But not like boring Pick'em like all the other sports radio shows. We see who's the best in Gwynn versus Chris. NFL Pick'em Edition on 97.3 The Fan. The Fan. The Fan. All right, away we go. NFL week number seven is coming up. And, uh, of course, it will be uh, Thursday Night Football heading your way this evening here on 97.3 The Fan. It's uh, the religious battle between the Saints and the Cardinals. 
New Orleans, Arizona. That's a religious battle? Oh, I get it Saints, now. Saints, Cardinals. I'm a little bit slow. <laughs> Next time I'll explain it to you before yes, I please, say it. Please. So that you're right, able well, to Well, I was just thinking that. about the bird. I wasn't thinking about the human that's a yeah, cardinal. I'm going to give you the bird if you don't behave yourself. Chris is over me today, guys. <laughs> yeah. It's been a struggle sauce for Scraby all day long. All right, Tony, here we go with the pick Last week, your pick of the Jets on the upset over the Green Bay Packers was big. You picked Huge. up some uh, some ground in the standings there with that pick. And uh, right now my once lead of six points has been cut to two. It is 41 to 39. And uh, Tony will pick first this week. We have a three-point game, a two-point game, and a one-point game. Before we get to our underdog pick, so Tony, the board is yours, trailing by just two measly points heading into week seven. I will take Tampa Bay on the road against the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Although Tampa Bay got upset last week. There were so many upsets last week. Uh, the you know the Jets was one. Tampa Bay got upset. That was another one. So yeah, after uh, you've uh, had your backside chewed the way this offensive line, I expect a uh, bounce back performance. Yes, and I also heard that Tom Brady missed the walkthrough last Friday to attend Robert Kraft's uh, wedding, and uh, yeah. uh, there were some yeah. people upset with that in Tampa Bay after the loss, but. Seems like a pretty solid pick for three points. Tampa Bay should beat Carolina. My three-point pick will be the Cincinnati Bengals at home over the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons have to be considered one of the major surprises this year. Uh, Their preseason over-under win total was four and a half. If they win this game, they'll be up to four. So give the Falcons a little credit quietly under Marcus Mariota, but I'm not going to give them any credit this week. I'll take the Bengals. Tony, you're up for two points now. Mm, two points for TG. I will take. Ooh. Mm. Mm. Let's go with. Uh... Oh, I'll go with you guys again. You let me down last week. I'm going to go Baltimore two pick. Baltimore. Two yeah, you took them last week and they they got beat. All right. Um, Baltimore is playing uh, Cleveland. Yes. And the uh, Browns are uh, suffering with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, as we thought they might. All right, my two-point pick will be the Las Vegas Raiders, desperate for a win at 1-4. and four. Coming off a of bye week, they should take down the Houston Texans at home, or at least I'm hopeful that they will. So two points for me will be Las Vegas. I'm trying to type it in as I, uh, as I say it. All right, Tony's one-point pick now. These one-point picks don't seem like much, but they add up in a a tight contest throughout the year. They really do. And um, I think my one – what do we know about Dak Prescott and and, uh, the other guy? I don't think we know enough to be sure yet. Yes, but I'm thinking or leaning towards him playing. Dak? Yes. All right. Well, give me Dallas. I'd hate to go against a kneecap cannibal, but uh, I think I'm going to take uh, Dallas over uh, Detroit. The kneecap cannibal, for all he's worth, has still only won one game this year. I know. I don't know if the kneecap cannibal is uh, successful this year so far. All right, Dallas for one. I'll take the Chargers for one. I wasn't overly impressed with them on Monday night, but Denver does have a good defense. This time they play Seattle at home, 
And uh, I like the Chargers in this spot. Oh, an hour ago, Tony, Dak Prescott told reporters he will start week seven. No, there well, it is. Tony's player. even better off. All right, now we do our upset pick. This is where you can pick up some points. Last week, Tony picked up seven by forecasting the Jets to upset the Green Bay Packers. And, uh, Tony, it is your pick on the upset first. The board is yours. This week, I will take lowercase Atlanta. Oh, you like Atlanta. Taking out Cincinnati. For six wow. points, and that's my three-point game, so that could be a major Nine swing. Nine-point swing right there if I can get a victory. Big swing if the Falcons beat the Bengals. All right, so Tony is uh, buying into uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Um, I looked at the entire board this week, and uh, before we did this, because you and I do take this more seriously than people would ever imagine, and I didn't see a single upset on the board. I, I, I have a feeling the favorites are going to walk away with You're all the games right. this week. But I agree with that. It, I, so when I really don't have one, I'm going to just go with a home team. And I like Tyler Heineke a lot wow, better than I like. You should know his name then, Taylor. Taylor, yeah. I don't, I don't know his name, but I like him. <laughs> I really like him. I like him a lot better than Carson Wentz. So I think Washington will have a slight chance at home against struggling Green Bay. And uh, Washington gets five points there. So if the... If the Commanders win, I will pick up five. I have to say, Scraby, very rarely do you have great timing. <laughs> that was great timing. Oh, thank you. Thank for you. once. For once. <laughs> All right, so there's our NFL Pick'em segment for week number seven. We'll keep you up to date on how we're doing right now, Chris, with a 41-39 lead, but that is subject to change after this week's selections. And that is going to do it for us today. Well done, Tony Gwynn Jr. Well done, Matt Scraby. I'm Chris Ello. Stay tuned. Thursday Night Football is coming up next. The Saints and the Cardinals. And then tomorrow we broadcast live from Ballast Point in Little Italy. Starting at 6 a.m., Ben and Woods will be on at 2. Talk to them. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 